All right. <clears throat> All the kids can head to the back now. The teachers will be back there for their happy birthday Jesus party they'll be having. At times, we like to have them in here with us to worship with us, too. It's good for discipleship when they see mom and dad worshiping the Creator. <clears throat> I am um, whew, on the struggle bus as far as how I feel. So, <clears throat> my hope and my prayer this morning is that um, <clears throat> that you guys understand exactly what God did for us in sending his baby boy here. That's why we're here. That's why we celebrate, you know. Um, there is no greater love that has ever been known. And, um, and it should sober us up a little bit when we think about it, you know. Um, so I'm just going to pray this morning that I get through this and um, and that the Lord is glorified in all of our lives. Let's pray. Lord, we are, we are thankful for the opportunity to gather in this old building. Lord, to, to celebrate uh, what you have done. Father, we're all guilty and we all fall short of the glory of God. We all struggle to live up to what we feel like we should live up to, to deserve such a gift as Jesus. But I pray that you would remind us this morning that that's just the point, that we don't deserve it and you saw fit to do it anyway. I pray that it would help us to see the reality of who you are, the reality of the world around us, and the reality of what our mission is in this world. I pray that it would draw us closer and closer to you. And that it would allow us the ability to live out our mission in the world that we find ourselves living in. We love you. I pray that your word would speak louder than my words. And that you would be honored and glorified in all that's said and all that's done here this morning. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Um, hello, hello. Is this thing too far away from me? Can y'all hear me in the back? Okay. All right. So we've been in a series called Centerpiece. The idea behind the series was to help us get uh, an idea of uh, what is supposed to be central in our life and that the peace with the play on words there comes whenever Christ is central in your life, you have a peace that surpasses all understanding, right? That's what the scriptures talk about. So centerpiece is, is this idea that when Christ is the center, when Christ is the focal point, when Christ is the thing that is sitting in the center of your kitchen table, whenever you are dining with your family members or whoever else is around your house around the holiday season, that there should be this idea of peace, that comes along with that in your heart and in your soul. Um, last week I talked about 
the centerpiece, the claiming God as the, on the throne of your heart, putting him, putting Jesus on the throne of your own heart and what that looks like. And uh, tried to help unpack it by using the video. Hopefully it helped you guys. But, um, you know, the idea that we, we can either be our own king, we can elevate ourselves and our desires and the things that we want to the centerpiece of our heart, or we can allow Jesus to do that. You know, those are only the only two options. There is no other option. It's it's either what we want or it's what we what he wants. And when we submit to what he wants, then we begin to find the joy and the peace that he promises to give us. But not until we do that, right? Um, and this week, I'm just going to unpack peace a little bit as we as we wrap it up. I want to unpack what that peace actually is, what it came to do, and how it sustains us in our life. Because peace is something that, uh, I'll be honest, myself, I, I struggle with always trying to settle my heart and my mind on the things that matter. And whenever I, whenever I do do that, though, then there is that peace that surpasses all understanding in my life. It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter if he's impeached, right? Because Jesus, the King of Kings, is still on his throne. And when we begin to live our lives through that perspective, right? When we begin to, to, to live our lives not looking to anything or anyone else to save us, to guide us, to lead us, but we look to Him and Him alone to save us, guide us, and lead us. There is peace that comes. And I just want to unpack what that looks like a little bit this morning. I think, we're, I think it's one of the things that many Christians in our day and time as I, you know, I'm, I don't want to go on a politic rant, but I read, you know, you know, everybody knows what's going on in the world today in, in the political realm, and you read different sides of the stories, right? You read one person uh, that, that, that is a, a Christian, claims to be a follower of Christ, and, and they're for the impeachment of Trump. And then you read another one that is a Christian, and they are not for the impeachment of Trump. And, and we get, I think sometimes we get so clouded in what other people think, and when other people try to try to make claims to that, we we forget that our peace comes from Christ and Christ alone. Right. And it doesn't really matter what's going on in the world. There is a peace that is available to us. I remember one time, this is just kind of a funny story to help you understand where I'm going. But I remember at one point, uh, Meredith and I were were looking at buying a minivan. Right. When our family was growing and we were like, man, we just got to have a minivan. Well, I started going through this crisis in my mind, like, I can't, a minivan, like, there's no way I'm going to drive a minivan, you know, like, I started going through, like, the, the identity crisis and the practicality crisis, right, so let me un unpack those a little bit, the, the identity crisis is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a young man, right, at this point, I guess I'm still a young man, but I, I find myself getting older, so, some of y'all are looking at me like, you don't know, you don't know, young man. Um, but, but I found myself like, I want to be, I still want to be cool. I'm a young man and I, you know, I can still be hip. I can still hang out with the, the younger people and they can still acknowledge me and trust me. But, but, but if I get in a minivan, all, some of that's going to go away. You know, like I've, I've crossed the threshold because it's not cool. I've become a family man and I'm not hip anymore, Right. So that was my identity crisis that I was starting to flesh out in my own way. 
And then the practical side of it is that, you know, what about when the kids are uh, staying with grandparents and Meredith and I go out on a date night and it's just me and her in our minivan? You know, that's kind of awkward, you know, because, I mean, it would be cool if you could hit the button and the Lamborghini doors or something came open, but the only only thing that happens is the slide door opens up whenever you hit the, hit the button on the minivan, right? But it didn't seem like it was going to be more fun. Um, the kids grow up. What are we going to do with it then? Date nights. But then the other practical side of it is there was more room. There was a DVD player in this bad boy. And we needed that because all these youngins, that we needed to turn it on for them while we're going on trips. It was practical, easy to open doors. It was convenient, right? And, and I tell you this story because once I, I, I honestly had to fight through those things, like the, practical, the, the, the do's and don'ts, the pros and cons, right? I had to fight through those things because I would have such chaos in my soul about buying a minivan. And it's laughable, Right? It's laughable. But at the end of the day, I, I did not have peace. I couldn't find the peace that I was looking for. But once I divided it out and started looking at it, peace became part of my soul because I looked at, at, at all of the things that were important and the things that weren't very important anymore, right? And peace began to well up inside of me. And peace is, a, is an integral part of the kingdom life. Right? It's what Christ brings to us. It's what He gives to us. And it's what makes us contagious as Christians in the world that we live in. Much like, that's why I'm not getting close to anybody today. Because I'm contagious with all kinds of stuff, probably. But I couldn't, couldn't get it in the morning. I couldn't wake up this morning and tell somebody else to come up here and do this message. So I'm here. But it's what makes us contagious. Peace. Right? When everything else is falling apart around you, when everything is falling apart in your life, when everything is falling apart in your job, when everything is falling apart in the world, right? and everybody is scrambling, trying to figure out what to do with all the things that are in front of them, all the things that are going on around them, and you are sitting in perfect peace, it speaks volume. It speaks volume to the people that you are around on a daily basis. Right? Now, what I'm not trying to tell you is that following, in following Christ, you will always have this peace where everything is okay all the time. You will have moments of despair. You will have moments where you can't figure out what is going on and how to find peace. But rest assured that the Scripture says that when you, when you lay your burdens at His feet, whenever you draw near to Him, whenever you lay your sin before Him, you will find peace. Right? So I'm not trying to say that as a follower of Christ, your life will be peaceful all the time. There will be chaos in your life. But in the midst of that chaos, there is peace to be found. Always. That's a promise of the Scripture as well, right? If you read the Scripture and you read the, the people that tell their, their, the stories that's, that are being told throughout Scripture, you see a lot of chaos going on. A lot. If you think the Bible... Is, is just a boring book, then you haven't read it very well. There's a lot of war, there's a lot of strife, there's a lot of stuff going on in these pages. But Christ came and He came to bring peace. When He is the center of our life, peace is always 
available to us. Um, we're ridiculed in our culture with fear, chaos. The culture and the, the, the creation. Um, Christian, let, let me put it this way. Usually Christians, uh, or I, I get very taken aback, I guess I should say it this way, by the way that I see Christians handle fear, chaos, the culture and the creation, and all the things that are going on. Because rather than uh, understanding that, 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 that peace comes from a God who has come and, and, and dwelled among us, we forget often that He has done that, and we want to just say that, oh, one day I'll fly away. One day things will be okay. Right? Uh, that is not the story of the Bible. One day things will be made perfect. But do you know why Jesus actually came to the earth? Mark 1.4 The kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. We just sang the words. Here comes heaven. He came to litter this earth with little pieces of heaven. Right? And as you and I begin to understand where peace comes from and how we, we can abide in that peace and we become contagious, we become agents of that peace in the world that we find ourselves living in. We become a picture of heaven for people to look at. Little pieces of it, little glimpses of it, right? Because you'll be a glimpse of it one day and the next day you're falling, falling way short, right? But you have been called if Christ lives in the center of your heart you have called to be a little glimpse of heaven for the world to see and it only comes through peace we're called to be image bearers of Christ we're called to live our lives with generosity with peace and joy you know Mowgli and I had a conversation this week about what it actually looks like to be a joyous person Right, Because oftentimes we can just find ourselves going through the motions and doing the things that we have to do without any joy in them. We're good moral people. We look like we're, we're accomplishing things. We're successful people. But we lack joy as followers of Christ. Why? Because it's still more about us than it is about Him. I would argue. But because of Christ, there is an alternative. Because of Christ, there is an alternative. Genesis 1. What is peace? And how did Christ bring it? That's, what I'm, that's the question that I want to answer for the rest of my time. What is peace and how did Christ bring it? Peace. The definition of peace is calmness or tranquility. Whenever it's used in Scripture, those are the two most common terms used to define peace, calmness or tranquility, right? Um, way back in Genesis 1, whenever you read the creation account of mankind, what has taken place is that God created human beings to be image bearers of Christ. Genesis 1.27 says he created them in the image of God. He created them, right? Male and female, he created them. And he, he created them to have dominion and rule over the earth. That's what the scripture says. 
We're a little bit different than the plants, the animals, and all the other creation account, right? We're a little bit different, and he says that we're a little bit different by saying, and he saw that it was very good that he created humankind, right? And then in Genesis 3, what takes place? The fall, right? The brokenness. We've missed the mark. Sin is this. Y'all have heard me say this before. It's as if I am an archer pulling back a bow and I'm shooting at the exit sign on the back wall and I let my arrow go and it misses the mark. Right? That's what sin is. Missed the mark of what we were intended to be. Genesis 3 helps us understand that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Because of sin. Right? And then in, in Jeremiah 16, 5, um, he talks about this idea that when he's talking about the nation of Israel, and Jeremiah is a prophet, right? And he's, and he's coming and he's warning them of all the things that are, that are going on and are about to happen. And he comes in and he says, um, he says, look, don't go in there, telling, talking to other people, don't go in there because the Lord has taken his hand off of them. Talking about the Israelites. That he has taken the peace from their life, is what he says. What's the opposite of peace? Chaos, right? Calmness, chaos. Tranquility, chaos. You ever taken a, a muddy jar or a, a jar of water with mud in the, in the bottom of it and shaken it up? And you sit it down, and it's just a cloudy mess, Right? But the longer that it sits there, that dirt begins to fall to the bottom. And you begin to be able to see through that jar again. And that is what Christ came to do to our life. Is he came to take all that and let the sediment fall to the bottom. And to bring clarity back to our life and what we are supposed to live our lives like. He came to give us peace. When all of that settles to the bottom, there is complete peace inside that jar again, right? The water's not moving. The dirt's not moving. It's just sitting there still, calm with tranquility that's what christ came to do in our life isaiah 9 6 through 7 how did christ bring it isaiah 9 6 through 7 says this for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of... Y'all talk to me now. Prince of... Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David, on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So he came to bring us peace. So the fall happened. The creation happened. The fall happened. Jeremiah proclaims to the Israelites that he has taken his hand off of you. The, the, the peace of God has been taken away from you. 
And it's the same story that you and I are living, right? The same thing has happened. And in that order, we were created, we've fallen short of the glory of God, and the peace of God has been taken away from us because we can't live up to the expectation that we were supposed to live up to. Until now. Until Jesus came. Until he came to right what was wrong. Until he came to give back to you and I what we don't deserve. Colossians 1.20 says this. These are the two ways in which peace comes through Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.20 And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of Christ. Christ came to make peace with, for you and I between us and God. Christ came to make peace for you and I to God. We can now live in perfect harmony and perfect peace because of what Christ has done. Right? He came as a little baby and he lived a, a sinless and perfect life and he was crucified and he raised again on the third day so that you and I could have peace with the Father. We're no longer alienated from him. Right? We are put back into the place of Genesis 1. We are given the opportunity to live our life in the way that we were created to live our life. Right? And it's a, really a beautiful thing. And he also implants peace in us. So he makes peace between God and us. And then he implants peace in our heart. John 14, 27. Peace. I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he's came and he's made a, a right relationship and then he implants peace within, within our soul, within our heart. And as we live according to the scripture and according to who God is and according to what he has done for us, we now get to live our lives completely and solely submitted to him for the sake of his glory. And as we do that, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding that begins to build in our soul. And from now until you meet him face to face, that peace will get greater and greater and greater and greater as you follow him. The past 15 years of my life, I can tell you that, that I understood the peace of Christ. At the very beginning, right? I understood that there was, there was nothing that was holding me back from being and living with him anymore, right? But 15 years later, I can tell you that I did not understand the amount of peace that I could have in my soul 15 years ago. And right now, I don't understand the amount of peace that I can have in my soul 20 years from now. Because following him is what builds that peace in our hearts right it makes us contagious it makes people wonder how we can do what we 
what, how, how we do what we do, and it gives us the opportunity to share with people the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? Be ready in season and out of season always to tell the story of Jesus Christ to those that you find yourself living with. Whenever the peace of Jesus Christ wells up in you and all things are going on, and, and someone asks you, how, how in the world are you doing what you're doing? How are you accomplishing what you're doing? Be ready to tell the story of Jesus Christ to those people. That is what we are supposed to do in a, in a nutshell. Always be ready to tell the story of Jesus. So what does it mean for us? It means that we find a new identity, that we have confidence and it killed the, the confidence in our, in our identity in Jesus Christ. It kills fear, it encourages us, and it gives us the faith to live out the things that we're called to live out, right? And on a practical level, it gives us a constant calm in the midst of the chaos that's going on around you. I don't know about you guys, man, you can come on up. I don't know about you guys, but... If there's one thing, if there's one thing that our country could use right now, it's for Christians to be people full of peace, calm, right? In the midst of the chaos, stay in the course. In the midst of the chaos, setting your eyes on the goal, which is Jesus Christ, and walking towards that. Right? I get so, so aggravated sometimes when I see people take such a, such a, uh, such a stance towards other people. Right? Christian people in general is who I'm talking about. When I, when I see them take such a stance and this stance just this lack of humility just exudes out of people because what they're saying and, and, and the things that they are spewing, basically is they're elevating themselves above everybody else. And in our world today, in our world today and, and with the political stuff that's going on, I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, church, and now is the time to be the church more than any other time. Because we all have different ideas of what our country should do and what our government should do. But let me just, let me just throw something at you real quick as you enter into the Christmas season in the spirit of peace. I want you to dream for just a moment of what our country would look like every follower of Christ every follower of Christ actually stood up and began to walk in the ways of Jesus we wouldn't have to worry about how our government is taking care of the homeless and the poor Right? And we wouldn't have to argue whether or not that's the government's job or not. <laughs> because it's actually the church's job. 
It's actually our job on an individual basis to feed the hungry, to comfort the widow, to provide a home for the poor and the fatherless. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. And I promise you, from, from the bottom of my heart, I, I believe this. I believe that if the church actually, actually stood up and began to walk in the ways of Jesus Christ with a peace that surpasses all understanding, marching headlong into the war, knowing that Christ is sufficient, that He is the centerpiece of our soul, He is the centerpiece of our heart, that our country would look a lot different. That our world would look a lot different. And this Christmas season is as good a time as any to ponder what that means for you. Why did Jesus come? Why did God send His baby boy? What does that mean for you? What does that mean in your life? Let's pray. Father, we are... Um, we're grateful for the opportunity just to be in your presence, Lord. I pray that, that each one of us understands that, that you created us with purpose. That we missed the mark of that purpose and that, that you sent your son to fix that for us. And now we have the opportunity to, to walk in that purpose again. Father, may, uh, as I speak those words, your spirit just reminds me of what Ryan once told me, a friend of mine. The only thing worse than dying is living without knowing why you're living. And it reminds me of the quote from the great movie, The Shawshank Redemption, God. And you either get busy living or you get busy dying. I pray, Father, that we would be a people that are living in the midst of our purpose. That we are living our calling out for the world to see. That we are living in the pursuit of Jesus Christ so that we can be ready at all times to give an account of who you are and what you've given us and what you've done for us. Lord, may we be a people of peace. May we be a people that strive to place you on the pedestal of our heart and follow after you with all that we are. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. We'll know you. We know that that is, uh, it's just such a...